Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Health experts have long warned us that the pandemic could get worse, much worse, heading into the holidays. And raw numbers are proving them right. California is averaging more than 11,500 new COVID cases a day. That's triple the number of just a month ago, according to a Los Angeles Times analysis, and is the greatest speed of infection since the pandemic began. In response to the surge over the weekend, a limited stay-at-home order was implemented for the vast majority of Californians. What does that mean? Well, in counties in the most restrictive coronavirus purple tier, which is now most of them, most non-essential work and activities outside the house are prohibited from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. The stay-at-home order will last until December 21st, but could be extended. Meanwhile, California hospitals are seeing an increase in COVID-19 patients, which they expect will only increase. CAP Radio health reporter Sammy Kayola reports on how the hospitals are applying lessons learned at the beginning of the pandemic to deal with the surge. If you have a surgery or a cancer screening coming up, assume your appointment is going to stand. Early in the pandemic, hospitals canceled some procedures in order to make room for COVID-19 patients. And it is our hope that we never do that again. Carmela Coyle is president of the California Hospital Association. Because what happened is for non-COVID patients, whether that was cancer care or heart care, they were simply unable to get those services. That was also a major financial hit to hospitals. Now, Coyle says hospitals have plenty of protective equipment and can isolate patients. She says staffing will be the biggest problem. The national nursing supply is already strained due to the surge. Nurses across the state are holding rallies about not getting needed time off. For the California Report, I'm Sammy Kayola. And Kaiser Permanente says it's enrolling 12 to 15-year-olds in Sacramento and Santa Clara in an expanded late-stage study of Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. Pfizer has said the vaccine is safe and 95% effective in adults. Now, researchers want to determine how well it works in adolescents and teenagers. Nicola Klein is Kaiser's principal investigator in Northern California. Teenagers and younger children are not thought to get as much disease, but they do get disease and they do transmit it. So it's very critical that we actually eventually develop the vaccine. Kaiser has already administered the vaccine to 16 and 17 year olds. Pfizer announced last week it submitted an emergency use application to the Food and Drug Administration to get approval for the vaccine. Meanwhile, as the state and counties put in place new coronavirus restrictions, California businesses try to survive. I talked about those issues with Bricia Lopez, the co-owner of Galaguetza, a well-known restaurant here in L.A. known for its Oaxacan dishes from Mexico. 
As a business, we are hanging in there. And I know it's very, very, very difficult for so many. So, you know, the fact that we are hanging in there is a blessing in itself. So, Patricia, when you see news that business restrictions aren't going anywhere soon and are actually even getting stricter with this new business curfew after 10 p.m., what goes through your head? Well, I am on several group texts and, you know, threats with fellow restaurateurs and my family. And every time we hear it, we just go on the website and it's just very unclear. For example, the state uh, issued a 50% decrease in capacity in outdoor dining. But we're not really sure what that means because we already spread out six feet apart. Our outdoor dining or patio is already COVID safe. So I wasn't really sure. Does that mean 50% of if you already had a patio or 50% of your current patio? Does that mean we have to be 12 feet apart instead of six feet apart? So many unanswered questions. So it sounds like you and other restaurateurs are still confused about what exactly the rules are and how to follow them practically in your businesses. Yes. And that really just has been, you know, a ongoing situation, I think, in the restaurant industry in general. Things are changing all the time. All of us right now are now waiting to see if, you know, I think the what the L.A. County mandate was that if we reach a 4,000 average in five days, that's when outdoor dining will be shut down. So that really is all, you know, very just cringing at and bending our fingernails because that would be devastating for a lot of restaurants that are just hanging in there by a thread. Uh, another outdoor, another shutdown that we can't even have an outdoor patio, that's going to be monumental. And it's going to harm a lot of restaurateurs and a lot of restaurants for sure. And I assume that outdoor dining has become really all important to you. Yes. Right now, we the only reason we are surviving is because we have the outdoor dining space. I mean, we could have not survived just by takeout alone, 100%. And how sustainable is this for you? Even with the advantages of being a well-known restaurant in the L.A. area, can you keep this going for long? I think we don't have a choice. I think we take it one week at a time, one month at a time. We come together as a family, as a restaurant family. We think of ideas, we support each other, and we just have to get creative. We just, you know, it's, it's every single day. Um, getting up and fighting the fight and, and really thankful to our clientele who's been supporting us the entire time. All right. Bricia Lopez, co-owner of Galaguetza Restaurant in Los Angeles. I wish you and your employees the very best and, and have a good Thanksgiving. Oh, you too, so Take care. And a follow-up to that interview. As Bricia Lopez feared right after we recorded it, the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health announced it was suspending outdoor dining at restaurants in the county. The suspension starts on Wednesday and will last for at least three weeks. Alice Huffman, the longtime leader of the California NAACP, has announced she will step down from her position. This comes after growing conflict of interest allegations against her. Huffman's Sacramento-based consulting company has often worked on industry-friendly political campaigns, including initiatives that were on the November ballot. The bail bond industry and Uber and Lyft paid Huffman's company tens of thousands of dollars for her work on their behalf. She also appeared in political advertising. In her resignation letter to the NAACP State Executive Board, Huffman, who's 84, cited health reasons for stepping down. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Returning to the pandemic, more than 19,000 incarcerated people in California's state prison system have tested positive for the coronavirus. And no other lockup has had as many COVID cases as Avenal State Prison in a remote corner of the Central Valley. But why there? KVPR's Carrie Klein reports it might have something to do with the movement of personnel within the prison. Ed Welker is relatively new to Avenal State Prison. He's been incarcerated there since March. But when he was recently moved to a new dorm on a different yard, he saw a familiar face. One of the officers that are working right now in the building that I'm in, in the two-yard, is the regular building officer over on the five-yard where I just came from. Welker says he and other inmates were shocked to learn that correctional officers can work their main shifts in one part of the prison and overtime in another even if one of those is a quarantine area. We're like, wait a second, if you normally work over there and we know that there's positive cases over there, what the hell are you doing coming over here? More than 3,300 inmates and staff have tested positive for the virus at Avenal. It's the highest total of any prison in California and possibly the highest in the country. Eight incarcerated men have died. The union that represents guards confirms picking up shifts in different buildings is part of its contract with the state prison system. In contrast, public health officials with the county and even the federal government warn staff should not be moving around during the pandemic. The risk may be even greater because a report from a state prison watchdog shows staff at many facilities are not following basic safety precautions like masking and social distancing. Here's Ed Welker again. They're putting our lives in danger. Avenal reported its first case of COVID-19 in mid-May in an employee. Soon after, Kings County Public Health Director Edward Hill moved to prevent a full-fledged outbreak. Yeah, we issued six health officer orders. Six orders to the warden of Avenal, a prison that's overseen by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, or CDCR. One of the orders required the prison to keep employees on the same assignment until the outbreak was under control. But CDCR is a state agency, not a county one. CDCR's legal counsel sent us a letter stating that we didn't have authority within their fences, that they would follow the recommendations by the California Department of Public Health. The Department of Public Health referred questions about staff assignments back to CDCR, which declined an interview for this story. But in a statement, a representative did say prisons limit staff movement to the extent possible given their labor agreements and that they follow recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. 
However, the CDC says minimizing staff movement in prisons is essential during the pandemic. And in a memo to San Quentin State Prison, public health experts at UC San Francisco echoed that assigning staff to multiple buildings poses an enormous infection risk. The situation at Avenal is frustrating for Kings County Supervisor Craig Peterson. In ignoring county health orders, he feels prisons aren't following the same strict rules the state has enforced on businesses. It just didn't sit well with me that, you know, you have, you know, a set of labor decisions impacting a community that has another set of limitations. In an email statement, the Union for Correctional Officers doesn't deny that they could be vectors for the virus. And in a recent report, California's Office of the Inspector General found staff members failing to properly wear masks at two-thirds of the prisons it visited. However, the report didn't fault the employees for their infractions. It pointed to lax enforcement from administrators. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno. Incarcerated people at five state prisons, including San Quentin, will soon be able to see and talk to their families through video visitation links. In-person family visits have been suspended due to the pandemic. Each eligible inmate will receive up to a 30-minute video visit every month. Authorities hope to expand the program to all other state prisons by the end of the year. And that's the California Report for Monday, November 23rd, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org voices. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.